Hello, and welcome back to Modest Conversations. Uh, I'm here with an old colleague, friend in the in the broader tech sense, Alexia, um, who's had a long career doing lots of stuff around tech, including a lot of time at TechCrunch. Um, welcome to Modest Conversations. Thank you for having me, Sam. I'm really excited to be here. It's it's awesome to have you. So, in the traditional Modest Conversation start, what's on your mind? Well, I think what everybody's talking about these days since Bitcoin's hit 2K, or no, nobody, you know, people were using it to buy pizza five years ago. Now it's two, 2K. Uh, it's an expensive pizza. Yeah, so I, I, <laughs> I think what's going on, uh, why it's so um, inflated in value is all of this conversation around ICOs. Mm-hmm. There was a, I think the TechCrunch headline was WTF is an ICO. There, uh, p- companies are using the blockchain to raise money. Yeah. And it is generating a lot of hype and a lot of noise and a lot of uh, heat. And so all of the cryptocurrencies are kind of buoyed by this. Yeah. Even though I think a lot of the people that are investing in it don't really understand it technically. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. So an ICO Mm. is an initial coin offering. Like an IPO. it's It's effectively, the idea is an IPO, except for... You're issuing tokens, right, um, instead of equity on a traditional exchange. I'm like an unabashed, excited fan of this. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting thing because all of a sudden, I mean, I, I wrote a column recently. I, was, I said, look, there's a pretty legitimate argument that the next time I go to raise money for something or invest in something, it's going to be an ICO. It's not going to be a traditional venture round, right, in a private company, which is kind of crazy. I mean, there's an argument this might disrupt VC. Would you actually raise... Finn's next round in an ICO. Do you think this is something that you could like tactically implement for the company you're building right now? I don't see why not. Um, I mean, just I mean, in the end of the day, like I have played with this stuff a little bit on Ethereum, and like yeah. it's pretty straightforward, right? To first mint a coin, right, and then effectively write a smart contract with some basic rules in it that said, okay, we need to raise this much. It's a crowdfunding campaign. We're going to raise this much. If we raise it. The tokens get distributed, right? Um, the company gets its money, and then it's weird because you all of a sudden have effectively a value that's somehow tied to you know a coin or a token that's tied to equity in your company that floats on a market, which is crazy, right? Um, so yeah, I think I would do. It. I mean, I think the biggest question for me is, you know, if we talk about ICO versus IPO. One of the two of those is very heavily regulated. <laughs> And one of them, at least as a wild, wild west, absolute wild west, right? And now we'll see how long that lasts, right? Um, Because in a lot of ways, I'm really not sure what the difference is between the two of those things. Well, I I think part of the question, you can take it back to like funding your company on AngelList versus going to a traditional VC. So I'm going to play the devil's advocate and be the VC side. Um, Money is money. Yes. It's a commodity. Absolutely. It's green. Whether it comes from down the street or China, it's it serves the same function. No question. It's just a, a way of bringing resources into your company or into your family if you're looking at it personally. Uh, the reason people go, raise money from like Sequoia or Andreessen or like Carly Kloss or Kevin Durant or all these celebrities getting involved is the branding aspect of it. So, yeah. so it's basically branded money. When, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, the reason you, you'd come to Silicon Valley is because you want to accumulate all of these kind of like, so all of these logos, like this social proof saying that your startup is, has the potential to be a large startup. 
you at the seed stage you you have an MVP, you don't really have a, a full launch, you don't have that much traction. But being able to say like Andreessen's invested in my company yeah. kind of perks up the ears of uh, whether it's employees you want to recruit sure. or people you want to join your beta or people you want to have write about you. Totally. It becomes this like status symbol game. Now, if you remove the branding aspect of it, like an ICO does, Mm -hmm. what do you have? Do you just go in and say, I raised $2 million in an ICO? (laughs) Doesn't that have some adverse selection? Like why weren't weren't you good enough to raise it from from slow or from general catalyst? Like, did you not have the connections to get in the door at these firms? No, that's fair. I mean, I think that, you know, I totally buy the branded money argument when you say that, though, it's interesting because what I think of is there are legitimate things that great venture firms provide beyond just branded money and recruiting. I mean, like, for example, I mean, the biggest one, honestly, is from my perspective is, you know, if firms have a, if you get the right firm and that has the right incentive for you to succeed and they have a bunch of capital, the ability to help you out, bridge you, help you get shit done when you need it done is a lot higher. If you do an ICO and it doesn't work, you're not exactly going to be able to go back to the well, right? Whereas, you know, if you go to a great firm and they're investing in your success and you're almost there, but you're not there yet, there's usually some reserve capital, right? They're going to help you because they have a very aligned incentives, right, to make it work. So I, I think there are some benefits to VC. But one question for me is like, why won't VCs just invest in ICOs? Right, um, like it's just uh, LPs writing them like WTF is this? <laughs> well, <but laughs> we some wanted you to invest in the next Uber, and now you're. But the, the next Uber you're... might be funded that way. I mean, it's just an interesting question. I mean, you know, the the thing that I find so compelling about crypto equity, we'll call it, is you know, you think about this history of trajectory. It's like. 50 years ago, there was a very few equities in the world. And there was a kind of, I actually remember hearing about this from my dad, like there was this real thing, which is like, how many equities can we handle? Like if there are too many equities, we won't possibly be able to follow them all, right? Um, Like literally, like we don't have the information bandwidth to deal with too many public companies. Now you have thousands of them, right? In my mind, if all of a sudden you tokenize equity, right, and make it tradable and contractable and all that type of stuff, it, it almost, there's not that big a difference between investing with in a private in a private company with a bunch of lawyers and documents and DocuSign and um, e-shares and like managing all this stuff versus just tokenizing it and putting it on the blockchain like from a I mean you still might have venture firms investing that way but I do think that the ability for like for machines and people to all of a sudden handle potentially millions of equities is like extremely compelling yes I, I agree but I think that a lot of it so we've when you tokenize an equity, or even when you equity a potential cash flow, eventually, sure. you're abstracting it from what it actually is, which is like blood, sweat, and tears of founders <laughs> and employees. So the more levels of abstraction you get from the source, yeah, the 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 more potential I think for failure. Totally. The more potential for failure exists. Fair, although it's interesting. I mean, you think about like even as an employee, like what if you gave employees tokenized equity, right? Like it would actually clear up a bunch of annoyance, right? Like if all of a sudden if I said, if at, you know, a company you were running, you were like, we're going to grant you shares exactly the same way we were going to grant you shares, right? But instead of the questions of like, you know, when can they be traded and things like that being encoded in legalese on paper, if they're like literally encoded into the contracts of the coins you've got, um, it just seems like it, basically all you're doing 
And I guess it depends on how, how you think about these things fit together, yeah. but you're just getting rid of like so much overhead and paperwork. Like to me, that's as from a technology perspective, that's like really compelling, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's the argument like is regulation, is regulation protective or is it restrictive? Yeah. Is legalese protective? Are you protecting people from, uh, what was that company that just took the money and hired like Drake or someone to, <laughs> um, Sorry with an M. Anyway. There, are I'm you, sure a company, yeah. at least one company hired Drake. Yes, Maybe yeah. more. <laughs> <laughs> it was not Drake. It was, a, it was like Ja Rule. It was a lesser Drake. Are you protecting people from a scam totally. running them through all Absolutely. the legalese? Or are you actually impeding the process of... of for sure. Compensating. I mean, I, hear you. I think that's kind of the question is like, you think about how this plays out. Motion Loft is the company. So Motion Loft? Yeah, I won't remember the singer, but it's a it's like a lesser Drake. It's like a Drake wannabe. And so this guy just raised money from Mark Cuban and then used that money to go to Vegas. That sounds like something Mark Cuban would do. <laughs> 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 uh, it, it is something Mark Cuban would do, but not the go to Vegas part, not the stealing money part. No, of course. Yeah. Of course. Like, are you? Is that legal? Is that regulation legally? Is protections? I hear you, but I think there's kind of like two ways you can think about how this like ICOs and blockchain stuff play out. Version one is you still have all the same like restrictions, legalese, potentially even the same funders, right? There actually isn't that big a difference in who's playing or how they're playing. It's just instead of passing around docs and contracts written on ink, they're written in code, right? Which basically just, you know, it hurts the legal industry. It hurts some accountants probably. It um, There are some companies that lose on the end of that. But like the nice part about it is just like all the complexity of preferred shares that right now like exists in like arguments, right? Can exist. Can, the arguments can be encoded and saved and it just cleans everything up, but it doesn't actually change the market all that much. That's like the, the less disruptive form of the two, although it still has some real disruption. What you're talking about, it sounds like is, is the extremist current form, right? The wild, wild west version where you just don't have preferred shares. Like you don't have investors rights. Like those things kind of melt away because the crowdfunding potential Right, where all of a sudden, you know, instead of crowdfunding and getting a, you know, a fancy toaster with a microchip in it or like, you know, a little drone or something, what I'm getting is like a promise of equity. Um, so then everyone, you end up with like no preferred. It's just kind of the wild west of fundraising, and who knows what happens, right? Yeah, I also think there's a there's a huge adverse selection component to crowdfunding, and I totally. think you see you see this with Angelist. It's like you you wonder, and this is just human nature why these people are are turning their equity to the public market versus versus going to a blue chip firm 100 right especially because in the case of angelist i mean i've participated in a few angelist things but the the reality is is like if you're raising private equity or private capital from a venture capitalist like having a bunch of tiny investors is the worst, right? Yes. Like you'd much <laughs> rather have like one anchor tenant, right? Um, so I think there's absolutely true in a lot of the current forms of AngelList. Um, but it's interesting because like Naval is like, who I think is really smart. You know, I'm fascinated, but they just launched this coinlist.co um, to raise money. For, I mean, Naval, this is his passion project. He's going to go down trying to get companies funded as fast or, as possible, or, which is great. Well, maybe. Not go down, like, like live down his life. History. Yeah, go down but, his But I think, I think <laughs> honestly, that, but he also might, like, conquer the world that way, right? Like, because I think the reality is, is 
there is a substance. I mean, have you ever have you ever like participated in any Angelus stuff? No, unfortunately, I want to. It's <laughs> it's frustrating, right? You yeah, have these, I've like, heard that's what I've heard. Do- it's like I think they actually do a really good job given the level of complexity that investing in private companies is. Like they make it a lot easier than it would be on its own, but it's still really annoying, right? And so to me, it's like, oh my god, if this was all like tokenized and like encoded and like literally on a blockchain. Um, wow, like that would just like clean up all the pain of this. And maybe you're right, you'll still have some adverse selection problems with people raising, but there are a lot of benefits. You, I think one of the biggest cons to this is, as you were saying, like venture capital firms are our guidance, they're smart money. Mm -hmm. What that's part of what branding is, it's trust. Yeah. So when you go to a top to benchmark, you trust that Peter Fenton is going to guide you to IPO or exit, or you at least trust Mm -hmm. that Peter Fenton's personal brand and the brand of benchmark is important enough to benchmark that they're not going to fuck you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But do you know that about the random Joe Smo ICO investor? No, you don't. And if Joe Smo, I think it's Joe Smo ICO. That's a brandable term. We should ICO it. We should, yeah, we should, we should do Joe Schmo coin. Joe Schmo's ICOs. That's like a good. That's a that's pretty our good new domain. company. That is our new company. <laughs> no, I hear your point. I just think it's an interesting. I don't know. It'll be Thought interesting, experiment. but it's also interesting. I don't see. I'm not as skeptical as you about um, venture capitalists investing in ICOs. So I think. I. I think. I'm not skeptical. I am not skeptical. I think their LPs would be skeptical because it's like we pay you for most LPs Mm -hmm. pay for access to, to deals that they don't usually have access to. Sure. So LPs are saying, wait a minute, if we can just directly invest in ICO, why are we paying you fees and carry? But again, (laughs) those same LPs are usually paying fees and carry to a bunch of hedge funds that are largely doing things that they theoretically could buy or sell themselves. Right. So like from a model perspective. Yeah, and I understand that they that part of the reason they do VC is to diversify that hedge fund risk. <laughs> I mean, like, it was like, funny. Like, you know, I worked at Facebook for a while, and when I left, you know, I, I still I'm happy to say I kept a lot of equity. But I sold some equity and then bought some funds and things like that. And then I realized they all just were buying Facebook equity, and I was like, this is the worst trade ever. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that that is the problem. Like if everyone's if everyone if everyone's trading in the same pot, then you know the there's a what is it? The beta's one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think the other interesting thing about the ICOs, and again, like let's imagine a world where you can ICO a thing, tiny startup, you crowdfund it. All of a sudden, your equity is floating, right? Meaning this is the unregulated version where, like, all of a sudden, I can just like start buying and selling equity. Employees can, founders can, instantly. The other crazy implication of that in a lot of ways, we already live in a world where like these companies get started, they're built on all this promise, the stock prices even publicly go sky high, but they're basically discounting future cash flows that then a bunch of people have to work really hard at to go out and get, right? And so it's really interesting because you basically front load it where like the early people get way disproportionate economics, right? And it leads to all these interesting things like all of a sudden then you have problems like, okay, well, these companies like are doing pretty high dilution rates on an ongoing basis to make up for the fact, right? So there's all these interesting things that go on with that. Imagine a world of ICOs where all of a sudden you could have a good idea. You ICO it, it pops. I mean, there are some ICOs that went out and raised 10, 20 million bucks where like the market caps of these coins are now on 200 plus million dollars. So you're the founder, you're like, great, I'm going to cash in half of it right now, right? You're like front loading all the economics, which I think is an interesting problem. 
But are but are those investors that now have your tokens mm-hmm. un- really understanding what they're in for? Because the, no. <laughs> well, but if they, the market's treating Snapchat terribly because it's not growing at a faster rate, how badly is it? How how because that's an ICO is a public market. How how badly are going to treat are they going to treat like Joe Schmo's ICO startup yeah. when it doesn't have yeah it'll as go many to zero ICOs. it'll go to zero, it'll very go to zero. you're gonna although, get a lot although, of, it's gonna be a lot of hurt yeah although it is interesting because right mm-hmm. now it's kind of the opposite effect happening which is there's so much broad excited about this stuff that things are getting bid way 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 up so we're only seeing the upswing part of this not when things start to crash on the other side which i'm sure will happen i mean you wrote in your information post that we're going to see a correction real like tomorrow it was like it corrected a little bit today yeah yeah i mean corrected corrected to what who knows like 15%. i still you know it's like I, I i don't know i'm very personally bullish on this stuff um and i think it's going to keep going up and up and up and up and up but yeah there's going to be corrections there's going to i mean this is basically i mean not to not to you know raise the the sec's like you know flag too quickly although i'm sure they're looking is like this really just does feel like pre-1929 stock market right um oh yeah and it's it's, a, it's like aggressively aggressively rational where everything every signal is irrational. Yeah, fair Incl- enough. Yeah, including our head of state. Fair enough. Well, I think you know, look, destability. Uh, you know, I can. I think you actually do have to separate Bitcoin also from some of this stuff because Bitcoin. I really just think it was like gold for our generation. That's not a novel. I mean, a lot of people think of it that way, but like people aren't like buying. People are speculating on Bitcoin, right? But like, there's very little immediate connection between Bitcoin. And these ICOs, right? Um, because it's not like, I mean, no one like is ICOing, you can't ICO in Bitcoin. Like you're going to create a derivative, another coin, whatever. And maybe you'll accept Bitcoin. So there's a reason to hold some Bitcoin for, for putting it into these things. But um, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Bitcoin's in the same class, but it is interesting to watch these specific tiny little companies starting up and just going, boo. <laughs> you know what? So it, it's almost like the tulip bubble. I mean, I, I know that this is the analogy everyone's using, but like a rising tide floats all sure. all boats and that's Bitcoin including the, included. The more people that are going to their exchanges to buy into an ICO, yep. the more people are thinking about crypto. Yeah, sure. While they're there, why not pick up another couple of Bitcoin? Why not invest in Dogecoin, which is up? Yeah, I actually have a lot of Dogecoin. Dogecoin, I bought, but I bought it in 2013. <laughs> Somebody back in 2013, there was a, a street artist giving out Dogecoin to like Ashton Kutcher and Alexis Ohanian, and I think he was just going down the the A's. He gave some to me, excellent, and I donated it to Mission Bit to a, a coding school in Oakland, and it's it's appreciated. It's like three X now yeah. what the donation. Was so I'm really hoping that all these nonprofits that got crypto back in the day as <laughs> as like a throwaway yeah. gesture are are benefiting from like my stupidity. I'm sure they converted <laughs> into dollars. <laughs> like, I we don't know how see, far this is gonna go. Wouldn't you love to see like a nonprofit's like balance sheet uh, and just them like listing out all their crypto equity? That would be pretty awesome. Yeah, I could, I, we could go to Mission Bit and be like, "How much crypto do, do you have?" Yeah. But I I. I think that humans have a limited capacity for things that they can keep track of. For so, sure. so if we keep ICOing and you have all this fragmented currency, you're gonna get you're gonna get losers and winners. Sure. I mean, the question though is ultimately, and here's, I mean, do humans trade this stuff or do computers? Like, to me, the other interest again, the, the whole point. If we think about like private 
private financings, which, I mean, I think all information listeners know, it's like, you know, the the private preferred shares are not common. Like, that's part of the thing about being a private company. You have yeah. lots of classes yeah. of shares that can have different rules with them, that whatever. But, like, that stuff is all not encoded, right? Which is part of the reason why you have super illiquidity and it's hard to deal and hard to trade with. I mean, to me, I think just at a very basic level, like, forget who's allowed to participate, who participated, who's sophisticated, who's not. Do these things float? Merely getting all of those rules into code means that, like, humans don't have to think about trading it, right? Like, all of a sudden, you can use machines to trade it, um, which can create stability, right? It can create a lot. I mean, it also can create flash flash crashes and all sorts of craziness, but... So when you do, if you do FinCoin, are you going to encode preferred share? Like, how are you... How would this work? How would this actually practically work? I don't know. Um, I'm thinking about it, though. I mean, we're not going to do it tomorrow. Um, I think... um, I think we'd be much more likely to start issuing our users some form of coin. Um, so that would be preferred. Like, have have the ICOs that you've seen have some level of uh, hierarchy for the earlier? I don't really know. I haven't seen that. I mean, people. What people do do is they do do discounts, right? Where you get the same thing cheaper if you come in earlier, just like private financing is, right? Where you do a note and you say, "Look, you know, I'll give you a twenty percent discount to the round, right? If you come in now." Um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. I think it's, it has a potential to be a pretty big deal. Um, I don't know. Anyway, so yeah, so it sounds like you're not someone who would be, who who would raise an an ICO quite yet. So I'm really bullish on crypto. I think, I think Ether is really interesting. Mm -hmm. I am just super lazy. I need to get to Coinbase. I I still think it's a good buy. I'm not, I'm not. That's not advice. That's not prescriptive. I just think for myself that it's a, it's got a lot of room to grow. I think Bitcoin still has a lot of, even though it's not growing as fast. I think. If, I think and, it depends on the window you look at. It's true in the last few weeks, but yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it like a ten a ten year. I'm looking at 2020 when they hit the 21 million mind. I think until then, I think it's going to hit, like Fred Wilson, I agree. I think it's going to hit 5K. I think we're going to see it. For sure. Yeah, I think we're going to see it rise. I'm going to go buy some. I think the same for Ether. I think it's a really interesting, I think Ethereum's a very interesting platform. It totally is. I mean, the question for me on Ether versus other things is like, you can either think about it in the Bitcoin sense where it's like an asset, right? Like Bitcoin, in my mind, is just like an asset. It's valuable because other people want it. Fine. I get that. Ether, I mean, and I also hold Ether and I'm excited about it, is a really cool developer platform, but it almost feels more like a company than like its own asset in a lot of ways. I feel like you're kind of almost buying in some weird form, like shares of it. Right. And the interesting question for me is like, will it be ether? Will it be a, der- a derivative of ether? Will it be a parallel Ripple. to ether? Will it be any of these? Cause like, I'm not quite sure. Like they currently have the best platform for this, I think, um, for doing ICOs, which is pretty exciting, but like, the whole point of these things is they're pretty open source and you can just fork them and like do the same thing over there. Right. So like how much, how much momentum do you need to become the standard bearer and how valuable is being the standard bearer versus number two versus number three? I think this is another case where branding will play into it because it is a little, because it is wild west because it, it back in the day it was relegated to like Reddit and 4chan and like Silk Road, like because there's an, um, a shadiness to the whole community. I think you'll end up, um, you'll end up having the first movers, like in, in Coinbase's case, Coinbase. Sure. You'll end up having them develop a branding of trust around them, and yeah. then everything else is just like more um, 
people will be more skeptical of it. Totally. Fair enough. This is a fun conversation. Yeah, this is wonderful. We'll have I, to, this is going to be fun to look back on in a few years. I know, because what if we're all just using ether? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I but, wouldn't. And the venture capital community is just decimated yeah. and lo- lawyers no longer exist because no, we're venture, all doing our just, ledgers. It on... won't be decimated. It'll just be like far more automated. <laughs> Do you have a stance on Ripple versus Ether? So, I mean, full disclosure, like I'm weirdly invested and involved in a lot of these things. Like I hold a fair amount of Bitcoin and uh, Ether. I was actually an angel investor in, in OpenCoin, which became Ripple. Um, oh, wow. So what made you invest at that time? I just, the theme, you like the founders. I like the founders and like, I believed it, the, the space was just a very disruptive, crazy idea. And I like that type of stuff. So I, um, I don't really have opinion. I think it's thematically really interesting. And then we get into the specific details of companies and things like that. I think like there's just a lot of interesting stuff going on. And I actually think there'll be a lot of winners. Like I don't think this is a, I think Bitcoin in my mind has a lot of reasons why it will continue to be in my mind, at least the like call it the reserve currency. Um, and I think it'll appreciate a lot on that basis as its own asset. Um, but in terms of the innovation going on, payments, cross-border stuff, you know, like certainly these ICOs or crowdfunding, you know, 50 other types of contact encoding. Like, I just think it's still really early, right? Like, um, and I think there'll probably be a lot of winners. Uh, we talked about this earlier, but I don't think we mentioned it. I think Spotify should try to do an ICO instead of IPO. They've already yeah. talked about wanting to work around banks and avoid the, like, entropy and and graft that happens when you take a, a company public i think yeah. this would be a really interesting and they should only offer to it to people it. who are sub- spotify subscribers that's awesome i yeah if daniel if you're listening to this podcast because of course you are because you're probably an information subscriber <laughs> <laughs> we'll send you the deep link to the right part of the, in the track but yeah I, I mean i think that's kind of the interest i was like why wouldn't you just offer it just to your subscribers very easy to do right that's the magic of this is all of a sudden it's pretty easy to do that right at least in theory i'm excited about where this is gonna go yeah cool this was fun we'll look back on this soon thanks for when we're all when we're all using dogecoin i mean Linecoin. wouldn't it be either Linecoin exists i made Linecoin. do you want some Linecoin? yeah i do okay i'll send you some Linecoin. i'm going to my coinbase tonight i we can't take it in coinbase yet you have to like set up an actual ether wallet that's not hard yeah, it's not hard. If I no, I've I've done things that are more complex. Yes, I'd love some line. I'll coin. send you some line coin. I hope it appreciates. I mean, I hope so too. <laughs> All right, good conversation. <laughs>